episode 111. Welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent. Well, we're on the left coast today, yes, Los Angeles, California, with a man who completely rewrote his life. From successful bankrupt attorney to living the musical life that so many of us long for. Yes, freedom has a price, but oh, how sweet it is. You better strap up your seatbelts for the music of Jess Wayne. Have you heard the news? There is a brand new musical act out on the airwaves called Mercy. This is something that you have never heard before. It's spiritual. It's the truth unleashed. With scripture delivered by Christine Mercy. Along with drums, guitars, pianos, violins, and vocals from singer-songwriter James Kevin O'Connor. Yes, a little bit of heaven on earth. And just in time. Behold, the brand new single from the forthcoming album, I Am Victorious. Yes, Jesus came, he saw, he taught, he preached, he healed, he suffered unimaginable torture, and not only defeated the evils of Satan, but he won the entire war for the entire world. And as he stated in the song, I'm going home, back to the throne, victorious, it's glorious. I've many rooms in my father's house for all of us. It's glorious. Learn to trust in his name. I Am Victorious, the new single is out now and available on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. Recorded just weeks ago on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Download the single I Am Victorious right now on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. And keep your eyes open for the full album release coming soon. Featuring Come, Bless You, Amen, I'm Afraid, It Is Finished, and yes, the title track, I Am Victorious. Available right now. Go to iTunes, CD Baby, or Amazon and download your copy of I Am Victorious today. And keep your eyes and ears open for the new band, Mercy, coming to a venue near you soon. This message is sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. On the Dharmic Evolution today, we're in Los Angeles, California with Jess Wayne. And Jess, welcome to Dharmic well, Evolution. Thank you, James. This is awesome. You know, awesome. I can't believe you showed up with an actual studio microphone, a tube microphone. All you future guests, take note of the quality of this man's voice. He uh, pulled out all the stops for you folks today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you can hear every wart. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's right. So you got a really interesting tale, Jess. I'm I'm really excited to uh, share your story with the world here. And um, why don't we start with uh, you getting connected with music in the first place? Um, way back before you ever decided to have a complete career uh, transition, um, how did you first get interested, like in music? What was the bug that hit you originally? Wow, that's way back. Um, I, I sang ever since I was a little kid, but that was maybe more at the uh, my mother encouraging that. But what started, I think, was in fourth grade, a music teacher had an auto harp. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I was chosen to come up and play the auto harp. And I touched that thing, and I, I, I couldn't believe the sound. Uh, and the next year, I heard someone play guitar, and that was it. I was hooked. I had to have a, a guitar or a string instrument or something. I just wow. So you started really early. Uh, I thought. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. started. I, I officially had my own guitar at the age of eleven. Nice. Nice. Uh, so yeah. I've been playing a long time. Yeah. Great. Great. So what were your what were your original like heroes that you kind of emulated or, or like kind of looked up to or influenced you in some way? Oh my. Um, I. I it was such a it was a mix that I've never shaken, I guess, eclectically. I started out with folk music. Remember Hoot Nannies? I don't oh, know. Yeah. Of course yeah. no, you're too young. Right. But uh No, I remember Hoot Nannies and uh I think I started out on a uh ukulele playing along best I could and trying to keep rhythm. And uh I, I so I love folk music at that at that time. And then I started to hear, uh, you know, King, the Kingston Trio, all of that kind of stuff. Right. And then I was fortunate enough to be when the Beatles broke, and the uh, and there was all the uh, Beach Boys, and all of the new music suddenly came flooding in, and it was just a fantastic time to. I, I just 
uh, loved everything. Plus, I was taking, uh, I briefly took guitar lessons for about a year or so from a, a jazz player who could play all of that, you know, ebb tide and things like that, and my, which my mother liked very much. But I, I just thought it was fantastic as well. So uh, the heroes were everybody and anything that touched a guitar at that point. Was, wasn't that a crazy period, though? It was like you, you hit it right when you said there's just a flood of these artists that all of a sudden came from another planet. It was like everything had been like born for the first time uh, almost, you know, almost simultaneously with what you mentioned the Beatles and the Beach Boys were doing and all of these, these amazing groups with this new sound that people were just kind of like, you know, just immersing themselves in. And, and everyone was different. I mean, yeah. it, it was all labeled, quote, rock, I guess. But uh, it rapidly, you remember the FM radio came online at some point in the uh, late 60s. Right. And that changed everything because now they were playing bigger albums, uh, playing whole long cuts, uh, the long version of Light My Fire by The Doors. <laughs> Album-oriented <laughs> rock. Right. I remember Scott Muni from WNEW TV in New York. Remember him, Scott Muni? I don't uh, know if yes, you were from New yes. York, but but he I was on the air. For, oh, you were? Okay, so you can briefly, relate. Briefly. Yeah, I, I'm mostly from Colorado. I was born in New York, moved to Colorado when I was little, Right. Uh, went to college in Colorado, and then went back to New York and lived in Manhattan for about seven years. So then you probably remember Alison Steele, the night Oh, bird. yeah. <laughs> you know, she'd be whispering this sexy voice, and everybody was in love with Alison steel because of her voice you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but she would play entire album sides and sometimes they would play an entire album you know which was unheard right. of back then uh, right because right. uh commercialism had not creeped its ugly head into everything and and anything back then quite yet so um so it was kind of cool you put on your fm radio in stereo and heard an entire album it was like unheard of it was just crazy yeah. And and, and I, I'm trying to remember when was the last time I had that kind of time in my own life to sit down in front of a radio or anything and right. listen. Yeah, I listen mean, to an entire record, yeah. And now now with the uh, – I, I somebody had said uh, that the average person gives a song 17 seconds. I think it's more like seven. Wow, yeah, before they decide <laughs> if they like it or not. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if it's in their ballpark or what. I, I, I and and which explains why when I do hear some music, it's amazing the people out there are creating music that grabs you right away. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very impressed with that. I I, I believe in, I believe in the slow start, but <laughs> there's some great music being created out there today. And you know, I'm luckily for me, I'm in a position where I get to hear a lot of people from all over the world who are doing what you're doing, creating amazing music and, and sharing it with the world. And I just, I just love to hear what everybody's doing. So, um, when I hear people say, ah, you know, they just don't do it like they used to. Yeah, they do. It's just a different time. That's all. Right. Um, but there's right. tons of creative talent out there. There's tons of imagination being born every day. So, uh, Hey, speaking of that uh, imagination, let's play Better Get Used to It by Jess Wayne. Check this one out. Someone's out there angry 
Someone's learned to pray Someone's out there dying Someone's falling down Waiting for redemption From a God who's not around Oh, you better get used to it Oh, you better get used to it You think you know I know I don't You think you will And I know I won't And I know I won't You better get used to it You better get Get used to it. Hey, Jess, great track. Um, was that a Fender Rhodes or is that a Wurlitzer? Um, actually, it's a uh, Kurzweil. Uh, probably, um, I've got to remember back to the section. No, it wasn't a real Fender Rhodes. Great tone. Yeah, yeah, I kept saying, because yeah. I, I usually can hear the, the Fender Rhodes, you know, sound pretty pretty clear because i've i've worked with them and the wurlitzer but had kind of a hybrid great great sound great song um you're on guitar correct that's correct nice that's correct. man nice tone what are you playing i'm playing a uh yamaha sa uh 2100 which is basically like the gibson es355 yeah. semi hollow body two uh, humbuckers right and then going through a uh, fender um a super reverb nice great tone great tone oh. and great sound too oh thank you so much yeah oh, it's yeah. wonderful to have people listen it's just I, I love the song i love the song so tell us about better get used to it what's the the metaphor behind this what's the story behind the be, the better get used to it oh my um this one doesn't really have a, a huge story although some of the little bits in there uh i, I fell down and hurt my shoulder uh, about a couple of years ago and really hurt it. I mean, like shattered it and wow. had, had to have a, I think they, they call it like a semi replacement where they just replace half your shoulder. Damn, uh, I never heard of that. Really? You, yeah. You yeah. Really... No, I have a titanium, you know, the little end of your arm that goes into the shoulder is right. got like a little ball. Well, right. I, have a, I have a titanium one now. Wow. Um, anyway, so there's a line that says someone's fallen down. 
Yeah, you better that get used to yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, as someone's out there dying, uh, we had a dear friend who kept living her life with uh, the idea that soon she would quit what she was doing and start living. And instead, she died of cancer. Wow. Uh, so there's a, someone's out there dying. Um, uh, the, the rest of it kind of came to me, I don't know, it, the way all songs come to me, which is I, I get a line like, you, you better get used to it. And the rest just fills itself in. Right. So th- this is a good time to talk about your your uh, life-changing decision to throw away all of the corporate um, you know, lifestyle and embrace your artistry. So can you rewind the clock and take us back to, I think it was 2009, where you decided that you were, you were a uh, successful uh, bankruptcy attorney and decided this was not for you anymore and you just said, I- I'm going to change my life. Can you tell us the story about this? Um, it, it's, it's a story that is many, many, many years in making and sometimes it's embarrassing to say how long it took me to figure things out. Uh, in fact, the, the story I used to say was uh, I went to law school, and I really enjoyed law school. Um, but at, when I got out, six months after I got out, I told someone, I've made a dreadful error. Uh, this is not for me. Uh, <laughs> really? So you knew, you knew, but you were enjoying the process in school. Right. But then, but then when you hit corporate America, was that the, the thing that just was, was so distasteful to you? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It turned out it was just about, and 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 I. It was about either either about moving large amounts of money from one rich person to another rich person, or it was about uh, people who could afford it banging on each other. Um, it just had no appeal. And then I, I used to say that the practice of law was unpleasant people with unpleasant problems, not to mention the clients. Right. Um, the, some of the lawyers are just uh, incredibly dysfunctional. That's not everybody. It turns out it's not everybody. Right. But as time went on and life kind of caught up with me and house payments and children and things like that, I kind of settled down and tried to. I was reading all these books about how you make the you 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 can find your passion in anything that you do, and that there's some truth to that if you dive deep enough. So I wound up diving. But anyway, fast forward, uh, I did uh, was getting in the process of a divorce. And I was sitting in my, uh, in my office, and I realized, you know, I, I really ought to move my office to Boulder, Colorado. I was in Denver at the time, because Boulder is just a much cooler place to be. Right. And that's where I was living. So I was like, hey, I'm going to just, you know, kind of unite my life a little more. So I went and told everyone... Okay, um, it's it's uh, we're going to move the office to Boulder, and I had all the I had like a fifteen employees, and they were like half were like yay and half were like mm, not so interested, and then I went back and started making uh, some notes on the back of a uh, napkin and about how much it was going to cost me. Right, and and I realized what am I thinking? I don't like <laughs> this enough. I don't like this enough to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to pay for Jessup and Company Part Two. Right, uh, so to the tune I, of a hundred thousand or more, I bet. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I, I figured I could move for fifteen thousand, <laughs> and I realized I don't want to do this. I don't. Right. I don't like it enough to spend any money on. Right, it. right. And so the next day, I went in and said, uh, "Change of plans. Uh, your your last day is uh, sixty days from now." Wow. And, and so, that, so it was that immediate. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The, the 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 light went on. The truth emerged. And I, it was no, uh, I have a song where the light came on and I couldn't turn it off. Right. So, so you, so did you have any grand plan or you just said, I've had enough. I just have to stop. I had enough. I, I just had to stop. It was, and in fact, it was a big enlightenment to me that you, everybody always said, oh, don't go anywhere unless you know where you're going to go. Right. And, and I was like, nah, I don't know where I'm going to go. But I know that I don't want any more of this. Right. And I've known it all along. It's time to act on that. I yeah. don't want any more of this. And that was enough. I sat around for like six months reading the newspaper every day. Right. Cover to cover and going for bike rides. And I had no idea. And one day I'm sitting in my office. There's like three guitars staring at me. And um, I go like, wouldn't it be great to play guitar a little better? So I um, 
started to, I said, yeah, let me do some research on where I could go to a seminar or where I could take like a, a one-week class. And when all was said and done, I figured out I would go to the Musicians Institute in Hollywood here and uh, study guitar. And I thought, I'll just do the 10-week program. And then it became the, well, actually, I, I really want the whole entire program for guitar. And it's a very intense program, uh, one-year program. And I just said, uh, okay. My heart was going, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And so I, I moved <laughs> lock, stock, and barrel, which was easy because I was divorced now. Um, and was easy in the sense of I didn't have anything. So I moved every, everything, uh, guitars and amps, to uh, California and uh, went to school and lived, lived music 24-7 for uh, a year. Great, great. So, so you never made it to Boulder. You just went right from Denver, right to LA. Right. Awesome. Right. So, so how long? How long have you been there now? Uh, since well, I guess I got here. Gee, uh, the end of the end of two thousand nine. So I've been here uh, uh, seven years. So it, it, everything agrees with you. You're you're living the life that you you embrace. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I it. It's it's strange not to be as hyper-productive as I used to be in the sense of working 24-7. It's been hard for me to get music into that mold, right. but I've also wanted a life. Uh, I wanted a life. I wanted to have other experiences as well. Um, it's, music is such an interesting time, let's put it charitably right now, uh, in that there is so much good, great independent work being done, and yet... And yet it's very difficult to find your audience. It's very difficult to create an income stream from it. Right. Have, uh, have you been able to take any of your previous skills and, as, as an attorney and use those uh, to your advantage in, in, your, um, in the business end of your music? Um, I can understand what I'm reading, which is, which is good. Uh, but I am clueless in, in my old business. I was very good at what I did and I had like a referral network that was set up that, uh, I was like, a if you go to a normal doctor and then you find out you need a specialist, I was like a specialist. So right. the people who referred cases to me were other attorneys. Uh -huh. So I had a nice feed and, uh, never thought about marketing per se, other than to take individual attorneys out to lunch. It was, it right. was not, sure. anyway, none of that is particularly applicable right. uh, now, um, although connections are still obviously important. Um, I'm good at organizing. I'm good at uh, software. But having said all of that, it, it really does come down to some skills I don't have. And I've been trying to learn and... I almost get absorbed in this whole marketing and reaching out and finding your audience and your demographics. And I'm almost to the point of giving up on that. Uh, it's, it's not something I find particularly interesting. I'd rather be creating music. Right. Um, I would have wished that this lifestyle would have supported me a little better. Uh, I'm still living off of some savings and uh, uh, very small income. So, uh, it's it's not enough to support living in Los Angeles right now. Right. Well, that's what that's what part of this show is is all about is to uncover what is the new music industry and how do we as creators um, and creatives um, protect and leverage our intellectual properties and and get compensated fairly for that. So it's a conversation I keep having with people just even rhetorically just to, to bring it up and discuss it because um, I don't have the answer yet, but I'm determined to help find some part of that answer. Um, on that's, a brave, of, that, that's brave and big of you. I mean, that's fantastic. Well, it's, it's really, I, I think it's so important because we're never going to stop creating. We, you know, I mean, and why should we? So, uh, you know, I feel it's incumbent upon me to, to do my part to say, well, what can I do to help, you know, find out what is, what is the key to this whole thing? Uh, the music business, as we once knew it, kind of crashed and burned pretty bad. So now it's time to um, figure out with all this new technology and all this way to reach people, 
how do we uh, stop with all the free sharing and free, 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 and let's get out of that and start figuring out a way to reach the people that are happy to uh, support us financially because they feel like they're getting value. So that's kind of my 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 unwritten mission. <laughs> oh, I think it's a great mission, and 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 it summarizes exactly what I've been tackling uh, right now. I feel like I'm looking at a walnut, and I'm trying to open a walnut, uh, one walnut with my fingertips, and that's not working. Right. Uh, it and and I I talked to my son who, who said to me yesterday. He said, "Look," he said. Nobody in their right mind would go into the music business right now. Right. He, he said, this is like going into a market that's been completely exploded. Uh, you're seeing people, you know, in ambulances hauling people away. Uh, he said, it's gone. Your market, he said, Dad, your market is gone. Right. Gone, gone, gone. It's somewhere else now. And uh, he said, yes, the people who, uh, and he's very much into the demographics and things like that. But yes, my music is not necessarily the demographic of the youthful, the, the one that advertisers want to sell to. Right, right. Uh, instead, my demographic is possibly people who, uh, like ourselves, who have been creating all along and listen to music. I don't want to listen now to the oldie stations and hear my 60s and 70s music again. That's not interesting to me anymore. Right. What I want to hear is, is something that continues to, to live and breathe in the now. Uh, yes, it has a, a base in the past, but it's, it's in the now. But those people... Uh, some of whom are pretty savvy, but most of whom, you know, they just bump into music. And most of them don't even have a CD player anymore. Well, that's and- the sad thing is that now they're not making them in cars anymore. They just started. I realized this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said, really? They stopped? I knew they would. <laughs> it's, an, it's an option now. You got to pay for it. Right. But it's like having an eight-track eight uh Tape player in your car now. It, it's got, it, it, the whole way that people consume music, and so there's a whole group that's like given up and just listens to whatever the radio gives them, uh, and finds their target area. Then there's the satellite radio. Uh, I guess is doing well because I have friends who, when if I ride with them, they're usually listening to satellite radio. Right. Um, but other than that, other than that, I don't know how people. Uh, they're, they're, they a lot of people listen to Spotify. Um, I think playlists have helped get uh, you out, w- people out there and hearing it. But again, uh, the chance of Spotify uh, picking up my song and putting it into a mix is infinitesimal because they're looking for the metrics that say, hey, everybody likes your song because they're listening to it. Right. How do, how do they listen to your song? <laughs> they don't know it. Yeah, as a, as a consumer, I love streaming services. As an artist, I hate them because they do not fairly compensate artists. They're getting away with murder. Hey, uh, but before I, I go and trash talk anybody in particular, <laughs> let me play another track. And this is called Make It Up To You with Jess Wayne. Make it up to you. 
you Now I don't remember What I did But I sure recall The words you said Make it up to you. Oh, I gotta make it up to you. Make it up. Make it up to you. track too jess hey tell us about your band oh the band is um uh sorry i was distracted because i was thinking about uh your your uh, comments about streaming but we'll get back to that yeah we'll get back uh, to that for sure <laughs> the band um consists of uh three other fellows uh one is john matthew rosenberg he is a keyboard player pianist he has played with everyone and their dog um, he's very, very talented. Uh, we sometimes call him the professor or Beethoven. Uh, his ability to improvise is unparalleled. Uh, the, what can come out of his fingertips at any given moment, which has made our live shows totally fun because we, we just really mix it up and let all of that creativity come into real time. And uh, I try to do the same thing on, on guitar uh, the second uh, fellow is uh, uh, Jimmy Ledesma. Jimmy is from Argentina, and he is uh, a, a you know award-winning uh, guitar player, songwriter, and uh, percussionist from Argentina. He brings such a special flavor. At first, people said, "Well, that doesn't really match your style," you know. I get comments like that, and I was like, "You know what? I don't care. This guy has a heart." And, and an energy and a creativity that he brings to things. Now, he's a little more subdued on the record, um, which we kind of mixed down because of the style we were going for. But uh, his playing brings a level of excitement and uh, in the nowness that I, I totally enjoy. I'd heard him. Uh, John, the, the keyboard player, was actually an instructor at uh, Musicians Institute where I had gone. Right. And I had been drafted at one of the classes to uh, play mandolin. Uh, and so I would play mandolin, John was playing keys, and then students would play the other parts. 
So he figured I was a teacher or some guy brought in, and uh, I didn't know who he was because I wasn't studying keyboards. So we always got along and smiled at each other and kind of bounced off of each other. So it, that's how we got to know each other. And uh, um, anyway, he knew the drummer. He had played with the drummer, and I had gone to see him play. So um, those two kind of became the core. And uh, for the recording, we had uh, Alexis Sklavarsky, who is a very big studio guy here in town, also teaches at Musicians Institute and uh, wonderful heart and soul. And then for our live acts, we have a young man named Jesse Holzapple on bass, and uh, he's just incredible. Uh, both of them were great. So that's a little bit about the band now. As it, as it stands now, I've got Jesse on bass playing uh, fretless bass. Nice. And, and uh, that's the sound I hear. So I have a new song that just came out, Bully Boys. Uh, we're releasing it as a single on uh, September 26. Uh, but you can, see, you can listen to it now on my website. Congratulations. That's great. Where do you guys, um, do you record right in L.A.? Um, yes. It, well, it's in a studio that's in a, uh, I guess you would say a suburb of L.A. Uh, called um, Altadena. Uh-huh. And it's a studio, uh, uh, Oak House recording. And uh, it's a wonderful, very, very warm uh, analog, tube microphones, tube gear, tube uh, preamps. Uh, the guy's a, a complete geek on uh, tube stuff, David Peters. And, and, and a very good uh, engineer and mixer and really understands the process. Uh, he had worked in England and had his own studio in New York before moving to L.A. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all the uh, analog equipment, all the uh, the vintage analog equipment. I have a dear friend who has a has a studio who has all the old, old, old U87s. And, you know, I think he's got a collection of about 42 microphones. And, mm. you know, he's got all the amazing Neve uh, compressors. Um, uh, so it's just it's just such a great sound to have. Dave Dave Peters has exactly the same thing. That's what we we were into the same you know the old Neumanns, right? And uh, the uh, Neves, and then he has some like even extra secret sauce stuff that <laughs> you gotta have that right. <laughs> you know, uh, so it, it was it was really amazing, and he's reasonably priced. So the secret sauce delight, you gotta bring it out. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, right back to the man who lives his dreams, Jess Wayne, right after this. You know, in today's world, most people are struggling with something. It may be someone in your life who has a serious illness, a family member who has been incarcerated, death of a loved one, job loss, or one of the many, many challenges we find ourselves immersed in. There is good news, however, and I'm here to tell you about Christine Mercy, spiritual teacher, seminary professor, and songwriter. Christine Mercy, who loves and deeply cares for all people, regardless of race, age, or creed. Dr. Mercy has a powerful ministry called Mercy Worldwide Ministries. This ministry cares for the sick and the dying and the disabled. If you have a need for prayer or perhaps a project that requires support, reach out today at mercyworldwideministries.com. Let's face it, we all need a trusted mother figure to give us a hand up from time to time. Reach out to MercyWorldWideMinistries.com today and check out the programs and resources available to you. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Hey, what were you going to say about the streaming? Oh, the streaming. <clears throat> I was with you on this uh, very much like streaming ba, But I watch how how it's being adapted by people. And I, rather than resisting it, I started thinking about it economically a little bit. In the old days, when you when they played your song on the radio six times a day, this was good. You know, you people were forced to hear it. And eventually, after hearing it a bunch of times, they got used to the idea of it. And they could hear it. Now, you also got paid a lot because these radio stations uh, had a market of, of millions in the big cities, millions of listeners at any given instant. And you would get maybe some decent-sized checks at the end of it. Here, with streaming, the model to pay per per stream, I you know I I I almost sympathize as a business on the business side how to try and create value 
two uh, per stream. I mean, it's not uh, like uh, the radio stations like had a million uh, ha- had their music hitting a million ears, and an advertiser who wanted to do the same thing hit a million ears. Now with these guys, uh, their model is completely different. And how do you create a business where you're actually paying per individual stream? Now that I just looked at my um, statement that uh, while we were while you were listening to the song, I was just looked at my statement uh, from CD Baby that tells me that in June I made uh, don't hold your breath and get excited twenty four cents uh, okay. <laughs> from yeah. st- from streaming right. And there wasn't that many streams, 69 streams. So that made, it meant I made a 0.0035, uh, rounding off, per stream. Now, if you put that into millions, that number would be huge. I mean, uh, enjoyably large enough to say, oh, that it'd be $3,500 if, if a million people had streamed it. Right. And so radios used to get... If you took 100 stations, all of whom had many, many, many years, you'd, you'd be getting your stuff to millions and millions and millions of people. So you can't really compare streaming to the radio on any level whatsoever. Right. So I, I kind of come away and say, you know what, maybe it's not so bad. Um, because, again, it's apples and oranges. A million streams is very different than the falling on the ears of, 10 million, 20 million people. Now, I would prefer the 10, 20 million people, but uh, the idea that we have a service now that people seem to use. Right. You know, there's, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some horror stories, though, for some, from, you know, for, from some very notor, no, people with notoriety and fame who get checks for like, which got, you know, like literally hundreds of thousands of streams and come away with a check of like $30. And I just heard this recently from a from a hit song. So I don't know. I don't know how they calculate and how they they put it all together. I just know that um it's just unfortunate that they seem to be the streaming services seem to be the ones winning this war. <laughs> uh, everything I've read suggests that the the deals that they had to do with the majors to get that catalog of music on uh, the majors get extra special treatment. Right. And so indies actually pull down more because there's no major involved. You pull down more of your pro rata portion of, of the, of the uh, available revenue to be paid to artists because you get the artist share, the performer share, the songwriter share. I, I mean, I guess you get all of that and, right. and there's no record company in the way. So if the, the people with notoriety and fame are not truly independent but have a label, that label is getting uh, a good chunk of that cash. Yeah, you know, it was like kind of like, um, you know, I, I was watching recently the story of, uh, you know, Prince and his $100 million deal with Warner Brothers. And, and he signed that like right at the, at the pinnacle of, of CD success. And of course, we know what happened right after that. It was like... Well, what happened? You know, like <laughs> I was supposed to sell like, you know, a billions of CDs and like nobody was selling CDs anymore. Um, <laughs> and the way he, you know, it was kind of a, a financial almost disaster the way the way I under, if I'm understanding it right, how, you know, it's kind of like being promised um, an annuity or, um, you know, what's happened to us with all of these, um, you know, all of these um, uh services municipal services who promise you know the people that work in the municipality well we're just going to put away you know x amount of dollars at six percent because that's the benchmark that's what we always make well we don't have that anymore we have zero interest rates so you know whatever we think is is going to be so holy and untouchable just seems like whenever something can go bad it can go bad and go away when you least expect it so um yes the way he rebuilt his his empire like was to just go out and be an indie artist basically and just said i'm getting rid of everybody and no more middlemen and selling my own merchandise and doing my own shows and he started to do very well again um hmm. just by saying i i got to cut out all the fat you know and just do it that way hmm. so so i think you're right about being an indie artist there are advantages to it if we could just learn how to to work the machinery in the right way 
um, so that we can take advantage of it. Right, right. The uh, the upper one percent, or even half of one percent, in the music business is doing very, very well. Right. I I through only anecdotal stumbling upon, it appears that there's another percentage that's doing almost like a middle class life. Right. Um, but even getting to those levels where you have uh, ten thousand uh, fans or fifty thousand fans or a million views of your YouTube's. Um, these are all data points that I don't know how meaningful they are, but it seems like those people who are getting up into the higher reaches, they're doing very well too. And how do you grow there? It's a long haul. Yeah, it sure is. It sure was. Hey, listen, you know what I think it's time for, Jess? It's time for the garden song. Are you up for it? Okay. Let's go, man. All right. Garden Thank song. You. plants tiny seeds in a row covers gently so they grow lettuce and peas beans on strings he doesn't even eat these things he floods the furrows watches where the water goes he's in his garden where the sun warms the earth where he fights the weeds and dirt for all he's worth it could be worse Gave her 30 years, tortured soul. He tried to heal her, love doesn't know. Seeds on desert never take. Only the hopeless hope and wait. He thinks he's a good man. Wants to do the best he can So he's in his garden Where the sun warms the earth Where he fights the weeds and dirt For all he's worth It could be worse summer garden died he left them both said he tried found the ocean where the sun cuts like a knife sought forgiveness at the end of life she took his ashes home scattered them all alone so he's in his garden Where the sun warms the earth Where he fights the weeds and dirt For all he's worth It could be worse 
It could be worse, but I don't think it is. <laughs> nice track, right. Jess. I'm hearing shades of Bruce Hornsby uh, from John John Matthew Rosenberg there. Was that John on piano? Absolutely, yes. Wow, he man, did. good job. And it was acoustic piano. He, yeah. He played so beautifully. I can tell uh, like he's got the chops because I, I, say, I say that Bruce Hornsby only with the uh, utmost of uh, respect for John's playing. Just the, uh, sounds like there's a little bit of influence there. Absolutely, absolutely. He he can channel almost anyone, but it's really his his own nature is is that beautiful kind of stuff. Just, yeah, it just jumps adds, out at you, you know. Yes, it, he adds harmonic content that is so rich. Mm. Yeah, great uh, track. So so, what's the story behind uh, that particular track, Garden Song? Um, this this one was a strange one. It took me a, a while to get it, it to, uh, to understand it, and I'm still trying to understand it. But it certainly. Uh, I thought I was writing a song about myself to my son. And then I thought maybe it was my father to me. And then <laughs> right. as these things, it becomes a work of fiction. It also has its uh, work of truth. Well, you kept but, it in the family. That's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, w I would say there's a little bit of everybody in there. Um, I, I will confess that I did have a garden that I fought mightily while living in Colorado, which has some of the worst soil in the world. And oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh no my kidding. gosh. Oh yeah. No, it's like clay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really terrible soil. And I was out in the countryside where it was even worse, you know? Um, and I was just, any bare patch of ground in the countryside is immediately taken over by very aggressive weeds because they know how to grow in that stuff. Uh, anything that you want to grow uh, <laughs> takes one look at the soil and says, no. Not I'm happening. Not, huh? <laughs> not happening. So what was, your, what was your attempt? Like, what did you try to grow? Oh, I, I, I was successful, although it was so hard. Uh, I, I did it for a couple of years. I, I grew carrots and lettuce and wow. peas and beans. And uh, 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 zucchinis were very successful, uh, you know, to the point where if you don't pick them, you wind up getting these large, uh, uh, bigger than three football long uh, uh, zucchinis that <laughs> you, can't <laughs> give away, you can't give away. <laughs> right, right. <People laughs> They're say, like pumpkins or something. It's scary. <laughs> like, what, are you, what am I going to do with that thing? Ride it? You know, yeah. it's like a rodeo around here. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. Mean, so those were, those were very well done. Um, but, uh, and, and the, the poor little carrots came out looking like these very, very tortured things because they really had to push their way into the soil. So yeah. they looked like the Michelin man. <laughs> so they came out exhausted. Like, <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> I got no nutrition left. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally understand the idea of fighting your garden, but the idea was that as the song emerged, there's the kind of basically you have a garden, then relationships are like a garden. Right. And then uh, if you're lucky, maybe you end up back in your garden. There you go. Hey, tell me about the gig scene in uh, in L.A. Like what kind of gigs um, do you do? Do you go out stripped down or full band? Do you guys all play together? Um, uh, how's that I'm working for you? And trying right now, we, we just did a uh, short tour out into the hinterlands, uh, went back to Colorado, uh, went to Colorado and back. We did eight cities in 10 days. And that was fabulous. And I, and I give that as a prelude because gigging in L.A., frankly, is awful. Yeah. Awful. It, um, it is a horrible place to gig. Nobody wants to pay you anything. If, if you have a little uh, bit of a following, we, we do. Uh, They'll give you a percentage of the door, which if you're lucky, uh, you might make uh, 50 bucks a piece. Right. Um, and this is, uh, and they give you 45 minutes and you, you play, it's all eat what you kill. I mean, yeah, it's uh, only, you're only going to be playing to people that you brought. Right. Because the room clears out for the last band. The only, and then there's a handful of the bands waiting for, to, they'll be there and maybe a few of their friends who wrote came early but largely 
you're playing to your own friends. Now, you can't do that every week. You can't do that even every month. You have to spread it out. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to be playing to anybody. Right. And, right. and I've been in, a, I, I, after I got out of MI, I played in a lot of different independent projects and uh, just to get experience to figure out how this all works. And a lot of the places in LA are pay to play. You have to guarantee that the venue will get X number of dollars for your set. Right. And, and if they, and if you don't, uh, sometimes the way I've played these gigs with these other people and I felt so bad for them, but it was like it, you had to deliver the money to them before they, you know, turned or they'll, off. They'll come and take your zucchini. There's <laughs> you know, no chance here. Yeah, wow. Yeah, no, you have to, you have to get off. Yeah. Day. Yeah. So hey, it, interesting. I, I want to play another one here because we, we could, we could, uh, I think we're going to need another hour, man. We're just like getting into stuff here. So <laughs> let's play. How do you know? Check this one out. of grace yeah baby that was hot <laughs> you've been there <laughs> yeah i like that good track man hey listen we're already at the end of the show jess i want you to just um 
please give out your best way for people to contact you, uh, website or socials, and we'll put everything in the show notes um, that I have from you here. But what's our best way to get a hold of you? Your website? Yes, uh, www.jesswayne.com. Awesome, man. This was really, really great. I appreciated you coming on the Dharmic Evolution and uh, learning all about farming, all about lawyering, about you know all the great people you have working with you on your music. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more great things uh, about you and your career in the future, Jess. Thank you so much, James. It was an honor that you uh, took me on. Thank you. Do you ever wonder why you were created and what you're here to do? then the geography of the soul will help you to find your true place in this world. The music is so inspirational, including tracks such as I Want to Be Loved, State of Grace, and Ride On. James Kevin O'Connor is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, music producer, entertainment agent, and a loving father who leads you to find your true place and calms your mind and soul in breathtaking ways. Buy Geography of the Soul today by James Kevin O'Connor at iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, jameskevinoconnor.com, Geography of the Soul, the beautiful CD that you need to own today by James Kevin O'Connor. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Better get used to it. Make it up to you. Garden Song. How do you know? The music and adventures of Jess Wayne. You can check out Jess on the Dharmic Evolution website now in 57 countries and growing strong. And we're very close to launching our very own radio TV satellite network that will put this show into 198 countries very soon. Yes, it's all happening via the James O'Connor Agency, an international talent agency designed to broadcast your global career. Stay tuned for all the details, and you can now visit the site, find out about the exciting work we're doing around the world. Go to the jamesoconnoragency.com or dharmicevolution.com. Check out your show and blog profile right now. If you've been on this show, you're on the site, and people from 57 countries are logging in to see you. That's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery
bases that you never dreamed. I'll take you places that were pictures in your mind. I'll take you places. You're the 